0: So, welcome, guys, to the Mind Yourself podcast. Hope you enjoyed the last one. So, this week, myself and Christy are going to talk about what, in my opinion, is the most fascinating organ in our bodies the brain. It's a luxury to pursue what makes you happy, it's a moral obligation to pursue what you find meaningful. And that doesn't mean it's easy, it might require sacrifice.
1: When perfectionism is driving, shame
0: is always riding shotgun.
1: Spread the word on mental health so
0: when other people are in this position in the future, they know where to go and they know what to do because there's a blueprint.
1: I think everybody is stuck in this same cycle of looking at how we need to throw money, more money at mental illness and the problem will go away. But it's the incorrect way to look at it.
0: So you have an entire generation growing up with lower self-esteem than previous generations, right? Through no fault of their own. Through no fault of their own. Understanding how our mind works, how our emotions work, can help us understand how to get more satisfaction in life. Uh, so, Christy, for like the teachers out there... Where does the brain fit into the seven steps to emotional intelligence?
1: Um, So the brain, or what we call my brain in the workshop, is step three. And basically where it fits in is we try to teach the children a bit about the brain. Because strangely... the brain, as soon as people hear the brain, they often get quite intimidated or something. They're just it's like, just it's like too like complicated. Depth of but yeah. complexity. But people need to know that like it's the most important organ in our body, as in like, it controls yeah. everything. So we should kind of know know a lot about it, or at least a bit about it. Um, <coughs> but particularly what appeals to most parents and most teachers is what we try to teach the children is how to stop being so impulsive, how to make those immediate... Um, Mistakes right away, how to stop that happening essentially, yeah. and how basically to the classic phrase of "stop and think before you act."
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I mean it's funny because like like what you said, where people get like almost overawed by the idea of let's discuss the brain or let's talk about how the brain is important, um, because the brain obviously is like the biological supercomputer that no supercomputer has ever been able to get close to matching. Yeah, and so by somehow simplifying it and trying to talk about it a bit more um i think it's important so i mean first off what's interesting is like when we talk about emotions and obviously we've spoken about first off like our emotional brain and how that reacts instantly to situations, that fight or flight we're talking about thinking brain and how you can actually control your emotions based on how you think which helps based on how you behave and then that obviously can help regulate how you feel but like how does the brain come into all this from an emotional regulation point of view
1: So the way we teach it to the children, basically, as you already mentioned, we teach them that there is the emotional brain, which is the limbic system, and then there's the thinking brain, which is the prefrontal cortex. Then um, that's where our intelligence comes from. It's how we make good decisions, and it's what makes us different from any other animal in the world. We're the only animal that has the ability to plan ahead and to imagine, and that's what our prefrontal cortex is responsible for. Um... And the other point I want to make, because I always ask the kids, then what do you think is more important, the emotional brain or the thinking brain? And they always seem to say the thinking brain. Um, and what I want to clarify there is the thinking brain can actually be really stupid um, because the thinking brain can only do one thing at a time. And that's why we're not allowed, for example, be on our phone while driving. Our thinking brain is really, really bad at multitasking. So when it's asked to do one thing, such as be on a phone, it can't concentrate on anything else, such as driving. Um, and that's that's why we should not multitask as well but we'll talk more about that in a later podcast um now we're not even aware of this but basically before we make any decision what generally happens really quickly in our brain is um for example when you're looking at me or when you're listening to me the information will enter your brain through the generally your brain stem then it'll travel first to the emotional brain or the limbic system you'll experience an emotion like interest or boredom or excitement and then it'll go to the thinking brain, and then basically you'll plan ahead. The thinking brain's always, always planning ahead, and basically then you'll make a decision. That's generally what happens. But um, what happens in the stressed-out brain, in the teenage brain, or in the brain that might be predisposed to making very, very quick decisions is something known as emotional hijacking. Um, This was termed by a neuroscientist called Ledoux, and basically he found that Sometimes our prefrontal cortex doesn't light up when we make a decision. That's when we make a decision really impulsively or really, really quickly. Um, like, for example, people who might be in the population of people who suffer from anger management issues. Yeah. They'll obviously be incredibly impulsive. They won't plan ahead before they make a decision. They'll act straight away. So if somebody bumps into them, for example, they're more likely to turn around and hit them straight away. Fair. But in regards to a child, then the problem, too, is... Um, Well, I suppose the same thing. In the playground, they'll hit the other child straight away, or maybe they'll shout out before thinking about an answer straight away. Um, And then comes the term, everybody says, stop and think before you act. Yeah. But it's never actually explained to children what should you think about.
0: (coughs) Yeah, and I find it is interesting how you were even saying that, how the complexity of what the brain does in that split second.
1: Oh, and it's far more complicated than that. I know. And you've just
0: simplified it. And, like, so small things, like, for me reacting to what you're saying or listening to what you're saying and how much my brain is fired up just in that little split second and how you've simplified it but still seems really complicated... You can see how it gets scary for people when people go, oh, let's talk about how we manage and control our brain. Like, what, that mad thing inside my skull? Like, how can we ever control what that does?
1: Yeah. So that's kind of why we go for the cartoons with um, the children. Uh, We create, like, cartoon brain areas because something's always more easier to understand if you can visualize it, if you can picture, basically, the journey of the information traveling to the emotional brain and then to the thinking brain Mm. and then it uh, being a representation of our behavior or what we do. Yeah. Um so basically going back to this emotional hijacking bit then what we teach the children is we actually explain what stop and think before you act actually means. So what, what we What ta- to think about. Yes, but also before that the pause. I think the pause is something that's underestimated. People always say you should stop. Um you should stop before doing something or before making a decision. And that's very easy to say, but it it's can be quite difficult for a lot of children and a lot of adults to actually do. But it's never explained why do you need to pause? Yeah, and the reason why you need to pause is because the information, so you don't get emotionally hijacked. The information needs to travel to your thinking brain. Your thinking brain or your prefrontal cortex is the last piece brain area that receives information. As so fast
0: as it is, it's not that fast, fast as the exactly, emotional brain.
1: Exactly, because the emotional brain is for survival. Remember we talked about if you touch your hand off a kettle. Will move, your hand will move away straight Without away. you doing anything. Exactly. That's how quick the emotional brain is. Yeah. The thinking brain, not so much. We need to kind of consciously become aware of it. But by pausing, you give time for the thinking brain to catch up. That's why you pause and that's never explained. Mm. Um, and another stupid piece of advice as well is uh, you always hear it. Count to ten. Oh, like, yeah. Like
0: but then they spend their whole time f- concentrating on counting to 10 and not concentrating on what they should be doing. Yeah,
1: and they count to 10 and then they explode straight away. Do you know, yeah. like, you count to 10 and then you're ready to blow up because you're just, you basically you're basically... you just delaying
0: that. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's just bad advice. But again, if you can basically explain why you need to pause so the information can give time... So your, the information can reach the thinking brain. And then, another important thing, which is what we talked about it, um in one of the last podcasts, is the importance of listening to your emotions. Yeah. You know, like, don't yeah. don't ignore your emotions. Your emotional brain is there for a reason. It's trying to tell you something. There might be a danger there or there's a function to every emotion. So don't ignore the emotion. Listen to it. And then the final thing then is listen to the thinking brain. Plan ahead. What you think about goes back to what we talked about in the CBT. If helpful I s- and unhelpful. Yeah, if I say or do this, will it be helpful or unhelpful? If it's unhelpful, don't do it. If it's helpful, do it. And it's a an subtle
0: reaction to an unhelpful helpful behaviour.
1: Exactly. And, of course, now, like, I hear, like, I always get the argument of parents saying, oh, um, that won't work. um, That won't work. But, of course, it's not going to work if you do it once off. Your brain yeah. isn't wired that way. It's
0: building a habit.
1: Exactly, yeah. But if you can do it every time before you make a decision, then, over time, your brain will be less impulsive when you're in the, si- in the, in the emotional situation. I mean, situation. I think,
0: yeah, and, like, That whole science behind how habits are formed in the brain is a very interesting thing. And you see people about that. um, There's there's many theories on how long it takes to build a habit, but building good habits and basically what they are is actual brain passages that you basically save. If you build yourself into the mindset of always pausing, thinking about the scenario you're in and then try and react accordingly Mm. rather than acting on a whim, That at first takes time and seems weird, but you build it over time. That channel through your brain gets more efficient and faster that you just get more naturally good at reacting to things in that way to take a pause rather than to go straight to the emotional reaction.
1: Yeah, Uh, where where habits start are thoughts. So you have the helpful thought, you have the helpful behavior over time, the more helpful behaviours you have, the more chance you have of developing that habit. Yeah. It's basically how it works. So it all starts with the thought processes and then this changes the neurochemistry of your brain.
0: And I think it's cool because, I mean, I know in our programme, we do a lot in the workshop, we s- always talk about these superpowers. Yeah. You know, and we label these things as superpowers and we label, do we enable emotional hijacking as a superpower?
1: Yeah, how to stop it, how to make better decisions and how to be less impulsive. Yeah.
0: is a superpower. And uh, it's funny because I would argue that the ability to pause so the ability depending in every scenario to the ability to actually self-consciously pause n- it's not 10 seconds like we've said pause and think about the syna- situation you're in in any scenario for adults for kids people say when we t- talk about this we're thinking about kids um on the playground something happens someone kicks them sit there think about what's happened let that message get to the thinking brain before the emotional brain kicks in and then go, how will I act appropriately in this situation? But this is a really relevant thing for like anyone. Like I know it's funny, we spoke about in work today um, about how um, talking about people's values and respect in the workplace, respect amongst people that you work with and not so much from a business concept, but just in a human context. And one of the things that came up was what was a bad behavior that we often saw and we said about it being people were um, shutting people down when they had ideas or suggestions for things. And I was at, made the point that it's not an actual conscious thing. You're not shutting them down because you think their idea is crap. You shut them down because all you're thinking about is you have a point you want to make. And the minute there's a bit of airtime, you jump in to say something without really considering that someone else has an idea. And then what we talked about was we were trying to build a habit with people to actually teach themselves to take a minute to pause in between those. So once someone makes a point, pause before you jump ahead with what you're about to say, because something they've said might be relevant to what you said and actually allows you to actually act appropriately in that situation rather than want to get your point across. Yeah. And it was funny how you say yourself in your embarrassing situation, you make, um, you're teaching someone, you're doing the workshop, you forget a line or you forget something, you're on stage, and people always say, pause and think well that's we've always said that you could think of numerous scenarios where people say pause breathe take a minute but it it literally all of that is that emotional hijacking piece it's basically stopping you reacting emotionally in a situation like getting embarrassed and getting all red take a breather what is the best way to act and so that is really the root to a lot of those kind of emotional reactions that people have
1: yeah. I uh, I think another um related to what you were saying, I think another immediate problem too is um people often forget it but when they're having a conversation with somebody, um, I think what goes through somebody's head straight away, particularly when they're under pressure to impress or something, um, they'll take in the first piece of information that the other person will say and they'll be thinking the whole time while the other person is talking, I need to respond here in the correct way. I need to respond in a way that makes me look intelligent, for example, or that makes me look cool. Yeah. And because they're so focused on that, as soon as the other person finishes talking, straight in, you know, straight away, as opposed to just pausing, just relaxing, actually taking in what the other person said and then responding, mm. which I think is really, really important. Um, but you're completely right. But the problem now um, that I will point out too is while this is good education for adults, um, I used to work in an anger management program and they had the same... Um, L- line of line uh, of kind of therapy, like, basically okay. of this importance of pausing, um. And the problem was it wasn't overly successful. But the reason why it wasn't overly successful is because um, a p- uh, an adult's brain is already wired a certain way, so um, that old dog new tricks kind exactly, of exactly. So it's very very difficult to rewire, um, an adult's brain. Is it possible? Y- yeah, well, like we we've s- I- I've seen it be successful. It's just it's not as successful. But the different as compared to children. But the difference is, a child's brain isn't fully developed yet. Mm. Um, the brain continues developing rapidly until the age of about 25. So, um, a <laughs> a year, you still haven't A, bit a in year left. <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- that's a completely arbitrary number <laughs> as well, I'm going to point out. I'm going to rely course. on one year left uh, at least. <laughs> But um, yeah, but so basically the reason why we're teaching it to 11, 12-year-olds is because their brain, their p- particularly their prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed, mm. their thinking brain. So if we can kind of teach this as a young age and start getting them to develop that habit, as you mentioned, <coughs> then we'll be, we won't be rewiring their brain. We'll, be we'll just be wiring it beforehand. in the correct manner. Okay. Yeah, building that foundation, which yeah. is exactly what we no, want. No, I mean,
0: it's... Um, yeah, because it, it, it came back to... Y- so yeah, it's that whole... It's much harder to teach people and it's that thing around... I heard a really interesting quote i think it was probably just quote i don't think it was quoted by anyone famous it was probably someone who said it to me but he said that thing about listening to respond versus listening to understand yeah and like how that's a thing that i think a lot of people have issues struggle with Mm. um i think it's also it's something that we even spoke about doing this podcast is and like having started doing podcasts how that's a difficult thing to even get better at it where you're listening, you're thinking about, okay, we want to ask good questions, have a good discussion. So you're almost thinking, okay, what am I next going to say or do? Mm. But you've also got to listen to understand so that you can appropriately kind of have that conversation, and have a more yeah. valuable conversation.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's something as well, like obviously we're going to talk more about this. I think it's step seven in social skills. But um, this just shows how the brain ties into everything. Do you mm-hmm. know? Like, you need to have some sort of understanding to brain uh, of the brain basically to visualize something before you do any sort of behavior thinking. because yeah. that's where thinking comes from. It's the brain.
0: But we don't want to scare people mm-hmm. and say that only kids can learn. to develop No, of their course brain. not.
1: That's not true. Like you, you can. Um, there's a term known as neuroplasticity, which basically means um that you can basically train your brain to... Like, the brain is incredibly complex, so much so that, for example, like, um somebody who's born blind, for example, mm. um, who's congenitally blind, is basically, like, they've measured their brains in depth, and th- those who are blind have far better... Um, they have a higher level of hearing ability, for example, do you know? So... That's just a perfect example of how the brain basically... Adapts. Yeah, adapts completely to um, certain deficits and it recovers incredibly in, in different ways.
0: But I mean, it's, so it's that crazy thing as well, as you know, do you ever hear thing where people, um, based on people's childhood experiences, traumatic experiences, and it ties in, I think, to emotional intelligence, but also mental health as well, where um, certain mental illnesses people develop or traits people develop and kind of mainly related to mental illness and health as well um depending on how their childhood was or experiences they had maybe in a certain period in their life how their brain develops these almost blockers and uh, s- subconsciously they have blockers on certain things in their life so it may be something like someone had a traumatic experience as a child with an adult, with a parent, maybe they were abusive or whatever, and then the way their brain, almost the habits they've built around how they operate with other people and stuff, the brain has done that to protect them from ever experiencing that trauma again. And uh, that's an interesting thing where the brain kind of does... That kind of neuroplasticity develops to protect you and exactly. molds based on its experiences. Um,
1: I really recommend if you haven't. Um, we have a blog post. It wasn't. Uh, I was done from Marta Cardam, who is basically she did. She specialised in neuropsychology. Mm. Um, and if you take a look at her blog post, she basically talks about how adverse childhood experiences can basically. Uh, actually recover through emotional intelligence, basically. You can teach a child, basically, to recover from the brain damage that a traumatic experience caused, which is really, really interesting.
0: Really interesting topic. So, I mean, we've spoken about how the importance of that thinking brain, that emotional hijacking, how we bring, we take a scenario, we take those, m- those seconds to not just sit there in silence to hope that that emotional reaction is going to go away, but actually thinking about, is this how I'm feeling right now, what's a helpful thought in this situation, what's an unhelpful thought, and therefore what's the behavior appropriately.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's important to know as well, Um, it, I think it can really help children knowing that, for example, again, teaching them this really helps because sometimes, like, there will be children who will be predisposed to be more impulsive than other children. Yeah. But explaining to them that that's completely normal, I think, can be helpful sometimes as, a r- as opposed to saying, like, you're broken. Or you know, it's like an illness. Yeah, yeah. But, like, for example, there's a good reason for it. Like, if, going back to our ancestors again, like, if one of our ancestors uh, came up across a line straight away, and they stood there thinking, hmm, I wonder would it be helpful or unhelpful if I ran away or if I climbed this tree or if I tried to him, fight the lion. Yeah. You'd be dead straight away. Yeah. See, there's a good reason. This emotional hijacking was set up for survival. <laughs> um, that's why it's an older part of the brain as well. But that's all it was to do. But the problem is now the uh, limbic system can't always tell the difference. Mm-hmm. So when you get pushed over by a child, it can't tell the difference if basically this is an actual threat or, or if, if it's, it's just, just an something harmless. Accident, yeah. yeah.
0: And I mean, yeah, because I think that's important. I mean, we speak about the thinking brain, that the limbic system and that old reptilian brain, that emotional brain, um, is important as well. It's not that we're discounting it and saying we've developed beyond that. The prefrontal cortex is where it's all at. There's yeah. a new hip part of the brain that yeah. we're like, this is the cool part. Stay in this lane. Hmm. Don't go to the old part of the yeah. brain. They have important roles and they work together, basically. Exactly. They're, they're kind of tied together. And I mean... Yeah, what would you say is the key part where they both kind of work or work in tandem or how how that kind of works? But
1: it's just taking account of both of them, basically. And this is something you need to visualize being aware that like the emotional brain and the thinking brain are two separate entities. That's the really, really important one, because at the same time, you know, the emotional hijacking is still helpful in everyday life. Like, for example, as we mentioned with the kettle or if you stepped out in front of a car, you want your emotional brain to hijack your entire brain to take over. But what I'm referring to is it's okay, basically, to make that initial, like, impulse, mm. but in a longer term thing, it's important then that you can basically then pause and then, <coughs> okay, be like, why did my emotional brain do that? And why did my thinking brain, uh, and what would my thinking brain say in this situation, for example? If you can slow yourself down in that situation, <coughs> that's how you can make better decisions. And people are unaware about how, like, this is so important, particularly in relation to sexual health, yeah. for example, particularly for children. You know um in what way there's research that has shown that children who have higher emotional intelligence are l- are less likely to have a teenage pregnancy they're also less likely to um, get an STD because basically they're not being impulsive. They know in that moment basically like if they don't have like protection, for example, that they won't have sex at a young age or if they don't have protection, um, they won't go ahead ahead uh, with it and develop an STD for example you know because in that situation they have the ability to pause
0: and that's an interesting situation that'll affect most people that is very much based on that old older limbic system that's an entirely emotional emotionally driven do it yeah because we're set up to reproduce reproduce like that thing that's ingrained in us to keep the species surviving and thriving and going forward which obviously in the past for our ancestors was vitally important to ensure their family and their clan and their descendants continued on so the idea that that's a moment where we talk about how there's there are scenarios where your emotional brain takes over but that's a very tangible one that a lot of people might have experienced that where your that's your emotional brain really does take over quite a lot and it's it and,
1: and it's important to know that just because you've started something, even if it is emotional hijacking, now that we have the thinking brain or the prefrontal cortex, it means you can stop mm. you know, once you start. um, And, like, in a far more sensitive way, another topic would be, obviously, um, sexual assault. Of course. Like, particularly because you hear a story about it, like, it w- probably once a month in Ireland, particularly, of quite of, of a young guy um, sexually assaulting a young girl. Like... Uh, uh, people refer to them as animals afterwards, but it, I think it's just a situation where their impulse takes over. And of course that's wrong, but in a way, like if they were trained, basically... Yeah,
0: so as in, obviously, yeah, we're not saying that. It's, yeah, of course, and in no way are we saying it's not a negative, it's not a bad, it's not a really horrible thing, evil thing. But what we're recognising is that there's an illness or an almost like a, a mental, let me see, almost like a brain block there that s- because obviously people aren't taught the science behind that pause and thinking and why it's important what you're meant to do in those situations at a young age when you're as we've said rewiring the brain their brains aren't designed to do that and i think it is an interesting coming back to the how you said that's not someone that's just purely evil there's nothing there there obviously there's a lot of really horrible negative things they're thinking to do anything like that but the idea that their brain is reacting in a certain way because they can't control their impulses, yeah. is an interesting thought.
1: Yeah, and then um, uh, another interesting thing I saw, I remember I came across it on s- some social media anyway. There was a... It was one of them things, you know those classic things where you see a girl half naked, and then the responses are like... Uh, and she was like sexually assaulted or something like that and you see some some idiot comments, she was asking for it basically by oh where yeah. do you Which o-
0: is like such a such a bullshitty but y- I saw kind of comment. I saw one but it's a thing that gets said a lot.
1: Yeah, and I saw one comment which was particularly fantastic that um it was no she's not just asking for it because we're not monkeys anymore we don't only have an emotional brain Is what he was referring to we have a thinking brain that allows us to plan ahead and make better decisions
0: and realize that that is not what she's saying
1: yes that basically if we just had an emotional brain maybe yeah maybe she would be asking for it because uh, but what you're saying is you're actually saying men are stupid that yeah. they don't have that they're the equivalent that of monkeys, that they can only um act immediately and they don't have the ability to think before they act.
0: Well, I mean, it's literally, that comes down to that, as you said, that monkey, like, style of thinking where it's basically, like, comes to mating season and one monkey goes around, and whatever they do, I don't know, different animals do different things, but they show off, in a sense, to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. look, I'm ready to mate, come over and do it now, which is... <coughs> Thankfully, not how humans operate now because we actually think, and it it's a lot more of an intellectual and thoughtful process now. Yeah, and the idea then that we're saying that whoa, a girl walks around in kind of nice clothes, but maybe kind of like minimal clothes because I don't know because that's what she's wearing or whatever suddenly means she's gone. Let's mate. I yeah. mean, it's such a really kind of basically is what y- uh, David Attenborough talks about when he talks about mating season. On, um, yeah, exactly.
1: National Geographic, so yeah, and it's just like we've come a long, a long way from that. that like that's far not an excuse. More intelligent, exactly. that's a
0: pretty, s- pretty simple thing to say. Yeah. So like, as we're talking about that emotional uh, impulse, that un- not being able to control yourself and regulate your emotional reaction, and when we look at it, as we've said, um, from a obviously sexual assault being something that people do, that is a really aggressive emotional reaction towards someone how how does that kind of fit
1: in yeah you see i think this is the problem um there's a belief in society um some people would argue that you like it's something you can't control and that that's a lie like like i'll give you a perfect example um just people really really underestimate the ability of neuroplasticity and how much you can actually influence in your brain from the environment you put yourself in or from the habits like you mentioned or the thought processes that you train your brain to do mm. Um, like, for example, there's a Buddhist monk um, who has basically lit himself on fire and sat there in absolutely no pain because he essentially, and this is what Buddhist monks do, you know, you've probably seen them like yeah. chopping the like, stone and breaking stone with their head and stuff like that. That's basically, that's a completely brain training activity where they've trained their brains basically for the uh, pain receptors to become numb to what they're doing. And did he die? Um, yeah, the, pr- the the Buddhist monk who lit himself on fire, it was because of a protest. He died.
0: So is he doing this consciously, I- knowing he will die? Uh,
1: yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. But, he, but he was okay. Like, if you watch the video, he's kind of just <laughs> sitting there, relaxed. <laughs>
0: There's a video of it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I don't know, it's probably taken down now. But, um, yeah, that, and he was not the only one. There's been others who have done it as well in the past. But go- going back to the sexual assault thing, like, people think that, oh, like... You know, they often get described as uh, he's a monster, the person who's after doing it. Yeah. Um, and that's almost condemning as if he never had responsibility over it, that basically... This is
0: just some sort of mad emotional thing yeah, that, that he just didn't have control over and it just happened. But what you're saying is But the
1: problem is it's not trained, you know? like And I yeah. know they're doing massive things now about sexual assault in schools and in sexual education... But the thing is, if you could train a child to be less impulsive from a young age, then that's going to have a big influence in them in the teenage years. Because, like, even going back to the kettle example, you can completely untrain your brain from emotional hijacking. Like, going back to the Buddhist monks, I'm sure Buddhist monks could essentially train themselves to put their finger on a boiling kettle and keep it there. Now, obviously, it would take a long, long time and, like, lots of years of training. But over time,
0: you could train your uh, finger, basically, to stay on the kettle. Um, So so what are you saying? Are you saying then that when you look at someone who's committed sexual assault, it's not looking at them from a... They're a monster who's just acted disgracefully and disgustingly, but they're an actual conscious human who's not trained the brain to not act on their impulses. Yeah,
1: they're emotionally unintelligent, basically. They've never been trained how to... um, And much more emotionally
0: unintelligent than... So we say everyone can improve their emotional intelligence, but they're at a much lower level where... Their basic yeah, yeah, yeah. impulses that they can't even acknowledge the fact that this is a harmful thing to someone else. They just react on that emotion.
1: But even like, I'm not saying like if you train emotional intelligence or if you cha- train basically a child about the how to, h- about their brain areas and how to stop before they make a decision. Um, I'm not saying that basically they will go You'll prevent all sexual yeah, assaults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and it won't go from low emotional intelligence to really high emotional intelligence. But those people who do commit s- sexual assault... They have obviously a very very low degree of emotional intelligence, and if they were taught it in school, it could even rise to below average. You know, but that would probably be enough. Be
0: enough, but because here's the thing, like what you said about training us to be able to that um emotional hijacking and how we learn to be better at pausing. Understanding what emotion we're feeling and uh, acting appropriately based on how we think about that situation, yeah. Yeah, whereas you could, as you said, you could also do it the other way. So, would you argue that someone in that scenario or someone who maybe not just in sexual assaults but anyone who acts irrationally or uh, sorry, without, uh, sorry, irrationally, probably emotionally to a situation um, they have almost trained themselves to be less obviously. Thinking
1: brain, more emotional brain. More
0: emotional brain. Oh, so maybe not consciously you've trained, but through their experiences and everything they've gone through yeah. through life up that point, that their brain has been almost training itself In to The be opposite way, yeah. That's the opposite a good point way, actually, yeah. Which is an interesting one. Um,
1: th- another point I want to clarify as well, because I know I'll be slated here, like, yeah. this isn't something that's been researched massively, like... I know. <laughs> anyway, there's 100% a study that has found that basically people with higher emotional intelligence make less risky decisions. Okay. That study's definitely been done. Like obviously, they probably haven't done a study on specifically, specifically uh, on sexual assault. And I also know there's been a study done that basically uh, children with higher levels of emotional intelligence are less likely to have teenage to be involved in the teenage pregnancy and they're also less likely to have STDs. Okay. That program um that research has also definitely been done.
0: So I mean I think it's an important one to say look like this is almost a topic that often is taboo and we're not condoning it or saying in any way it's not a traumatic and a horrible thing for both for anyone to experience and anyone to be connected to that's of course just natural we know it's a horrible thing but what we're just making people a little bit more aware of and obviously this is interesting is that this is something that, where they're, I- like we're teaching people about the brain and how it, it's about pausing so you allow your emotional brain to understand the emotion and think then, using your prefrontal cortex, how to react. This is almost the opposite direction and yeah. almost what can happen when you don't um have those experiences and training to better manage your brain's reaction to situations
1: yeah and like I'm not saying either that this education is the all is to be all and then I can prevent basically. this no of completely course. like obviously not because obviously there's other situations outside of education that impact um a young boy committing sexual assault
0: or but girl we want to clarify it's not it's yeah. mainly boys yeah. and we're not obviously saying that either but it just obviously you don't want to start like picking size. you know, it's not always... Yeah. Much. You described it when you said about the, do you know, the kids who had, who are more impulsive than others based on maybe certain conditions or illnesses they have. The idea that that's not an illness, it's actually just an, what's the word, an over, overactive brain, an overactive part of the brain. Yeah. And that is not really, it's not like we're saying you're doing something wrong or there's something wrong with you for the kids who have to deal with that and a struggle to socialize because of that it's actually just looking look on it more that part of your brain is just more overactive than another part well the
1: uh, the other thing I'd argue as well is like the the young boys who might be doing this as well I just think it's a complete lack of emotional intelligence as well mm. like you you, you it, it's very difficult to teach somebody to stop doing something or to not do something because and not explain like how it works do you know yeah Um. Like for example, if you tell somebody don't push the don't, <laughs> don't push the red button I, I want to also clarify as well we're moving away from um sexual assault here, I'm not referring to that, I'm just referring to the act of being impulsive. Yeah. But like you tell a child don't press the red button and don't explain why they're going to press the red button. Yeah. You know and
0: but it co- is that that's the ha- marshmallow challenge, or at least. Yes, and this is, which ba- is what we do. This
1: is basically what we finish with um, in this step. We show them the marshmallow experiment, and this is an experiment done by um, a psychologist called Walter Michel. I think it was in 1960. Basically, what he measured was uh, he gave a child a marshmallow and was told that if you can wait a few minutes, then you can have two marshmallows. Um, I think it's about five minutes normally. Mm. Um, we'll include it in the show notes of the YouTube video because it's very funny. It is funny. But uh, basically, like, this still to date is one of the best predictors of life success in the future. That basically, if, um, if the child didn't eat the marshmallow, like... Obviously, it's difficult to measure life success, but their level of life satisfaction, their academic performance there. L- uh, for the rest of their lives. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like one of the best uh, predictors to date. It's far better predictor than IQ as well wow. um, for like how happy essentially you are in the future. Um, and we always go back. At, like again, it's the best way to explain exactly what we teach. That in that situation, the emotional brain is always thinking about the present. So the emotional brain says, "Eat it now! Eat it now! Eat it now! It'll taste so nice." While the thinking brain plans ahead, and the thinking brain says, "If if I eat it now, will it be helpful or unhelpful? Well, it's going to be unhelpful because I'll be I'll regret it and I'll be disappointed afterwards." you you work at the second match? Exactly. So it'll be more helpful if I wait because then I'll get the second one, and two is so much better than one. And basically, if you can train a child, basically, to pause, to listen to their emotional brain, what's their emotional brain saying, and then what's their thinking brain saying, if you can train a brain, to, if a children child to do that at a young age, then as they grow older, they're going to be less impulsive.
0: And on that, so you say it's a really, or it's one of the real top predictors of future success, future s- satisfaction, life satisfaction, you know, just general overall satisfaction success as they grow older is it an effective way then to go look do it d- I, I obviously i'm sure it varies but like you know you do it with your kids is a pretty is like an almost like a, a what do they call it a an experiment yeah uh, oh, not an experiment I'm but a sorry. test and you can see basically how the actual emotional intelligence of your kids varies. <laughs> or is that really like we we, we testing kids? We, we, we
1: always get asked, um, like, oh, you should do it in the class to see like but my biggest fear with that is you do it in the class. There's one child who who eats the marshmallow straight away, and the immediate thought is, "Oh, he's fucked." He's like oh, <laughs> Jesus! He'll
0: never make much <laughs> of anything.
1: Yeah, so it's at kind least of you know
0: in advance, though. Yeah. But but I wouldn't recommend. Okay, to maybe no. It. Okay, okay. they'll Might look, scare they'll them. they look at their child differently <laughs> forevermore. Crap! My kids are. Oh no, we've we'll yeah. wasted. Oh, we'll move on to the next kid. You're no use to us. Or
1: it goes the other way, and it's kind of like, "Oh, he didn't <laughs> eat it, so like he's going to be a." He's going to be a me, oh, uh, relax lads he's all good
0: he's, he, we're sorted but I mean it's interesting because I mean it's almost like a what do they call it an acid test almost Yeah. that you could sort of say how much control do the kids have over their impulses at that age you, you see uh, a critique of it as well
1: um, which I think is often blown um, is not accounted for is that the children I think at the time when they do the experiment they don't know how long they have to wait um, is that important of course it is, because if a child thinks they have to wait there forever, they probably will eventually eat the marshmallow. But isn't like the idea that... Willpower.
0: But she... D- yeah, okay, okay, I get you. But, I mean, is the, isn't is the idea that um, the less information they have makes it harder on their impulses, I so get like what the test is harder in yeah. your sense. Like, if they know, oh, you only have to wait for this amount of time, and then they'll be like, all right, grand. Whereas, if... Whereas by having it a little bit more vague, the impulses are more like, oh, you you never know Maybe Mm. they'll never come back. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm not an expert.
1: I, I I know as well it's important to note that, like, willpower, like, in general, like, the concept of willpower is generally, like, awful. Like, human beings' willpower is not good. Um, so there's is like, is it
0: um, like, I mean, when you look at it from a psychology perspective, should it be better or can we improve it or should we, well, this be is it, like, like
1: our concept and our idea on the program is that if you can basically visualize, um, something, it's a lot easier to do it. So if you can visualize what's going on in the brain, then it would be easier to do it as opposed to just being told, don't eat it for example. Yeah. Um, but like, like for example, like that's why diets don't work. Like we're not good at willpower.
0: Yeah. Yeah, when you don't, when I mean that, yeah, that's true. Actually, as a willpower is probably one of the <laughs> biggest things that people look to try and improve on. But it it comes back to nearly everything when you talk about willpower can be tied back to people's success in most things. Mm. How much are they going to stick at something? <coughs> yeah, right. You're dying. Okay. <coughs> Apologies if we both sound sick. We genuinely are dying.
1: So basically, my my advice. Um, we're, we're going way into other territory other than the brain here but like in relation to like not jumping on impulse all the time um like for example if you're on a diet you know like the impulsive a- impulsive act obviously in that case would be to eat unhealthy food mm. um like all the well actually they're generally coming from the self-help books but the scientific self-help books make the point Like, out of sight, out of mind, like, just don't have chocolate or any bad food. Out there in front of you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that's a lot easier than actually testing your willpower. Like, we're not good at willpower. But our argument is basically that when you are dealing with willpower, if you can kind of picture your brain before you make a decision, then you'll be less impulsive and you'll make better decisions.
0: So, obviously, yeah trying to keep this more brain focused since we're talking about the brain, that cool organ inside our skull. But just to summarize, because obviously, as we said, it's not a very long section um, in the program and workshop itself. So if you're a teacher or parent and kind of curious about, okay, I want to learn about the brain, but where is this relevant for the kids and what we do with the kids? Important things to remember are, one, two, when we're talking about regulating your emotions with your brain and how that works, it's all that whole idea of pausing, taking a second, but not just pausing and taking a second, stand there, pausing and taking a second, and then doing the thing that we spoke about in our last conversation around thinking about the situation, what are the unhelpful thoughts and helpful thoughts you're having? No? Before
1: that, before that, it still ties in with the CBT, but before you go through the thinking, you need to think about the emotion. What emotions am I having in this situation? So that's what thinking
0: what about the body changes and how you're and actually... And you
1: yeah, and what are my emotions trying to tell me here? So, for example, if you get bumped in the playground or the yard, if a child does... Um, the emotion will be anger, and the and the anger is telling you, this person has wronged you, so you have to get them back. Basically. so
0: helpful, unhelpful,
1: and then you and have get going them
0: back, Deal with it. Say deal like
1: with it in the correct manner. Correct manner. Cause, cause th- that's the thing people forget. Like, um, like it, when we have children, basically, when we're going through this, the unhelpful thoughts for anger. Yeah, so, look, like, stick with that situation. If somebody bumps into you. The unhelpful thought, they all know that, is basically who does that person think he is, how dare he or she, I'm going to hit him or her back, and then the unhelpful behaviour will be hitting them back, because you're going to get in trouble, then you're still going to be angry. But the helpful thought is always ignore the situation. That's not what we're saying either. Mm. It's not about ignoring the situation. The helpful thought, because you should listen to your emotion. You're angry for a reason. Somebody has wronged you. Mm. So you shouldn't ignore that. You should deal with it. But there's a correct way to deal with it.
0: Yeah, so it's not about ignoring the emotion. It's about how do you deal with it correctly in society. So we're not, it's all chaos. Yeah,
1: because ignoring it is just repressing the emotion in a way. That's why you should listen to it.
0: So Think about we're look. We're trying to help teach the kids to think and identify about the emotion they're feeling. So identify that emotion. How are they feeling? H- what has happened that's caused it? That then take that minute to pause so that you don't react. Pause comes first. Pause <laughs> comes first before you think. Yes. So pause, so you don't act rationally. Yeah. Understand or just identify the emotion you're feeling. Think about the situation and what's happened and what is an unhelpful thought and a helpful thought about that situation, and then hopefully act accordingly in the appropriate way by that helpful thought
1: yeah yeah and then there's an emphasis then when you talk about it that that, uh, people are being educated on it now but it's still happening again it goes back to what we were talking about with the red button you can't tell somebody not to do something um, and not explain how not to do it you know you Mm -hmm. can't just say don't do it that's not an effective way of educating somebody but you've actually explained not only the consequences afterwards, how it will ruin the other person's life and it will ruin your own life, but also if you then, um, and about how unhelpful it is, but also basically explaining how to stop it and what the mechanisms involve and why it happens. Knowing all that is far better education than just saying, don't do it because it's bad. And at the same time, it's funny, but particularly for adults, like, if you do that pause and you're like, right, the emotion I'm feeling is anger, like if somebody cuts you off in, on the motorway, the emotion you feel is anger, and then you say, okay, what's an unhelpful and helpful thought? In that situation, you might think, no, fuck it, the helpful thought is I'm going to beep it and shout at this person. Yeah. But the point is, at least you had the choice. That's what we're trying to give people, the choice. To take control of their brain. Exactly. Like, even if they want to do the unhelpful thought or the unhelpful behavior, that's fine. You know, but at least they're just not letting their emotions take over control because it's basically giving people control over what they do rather than emotions taking control of what you do. That's what you want. And that's really, really important.
0: So, guys, I know what you're thinking. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, is that it? We were just starting to really enjoy that. It was getting into some really interesting topics. So, basically, we decided, like, the brain is such a complex um piece of equipment. So, we decided to stop there and um, we've obviously talked about some really interesting things we've spoken about the connection between the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system or thinking brain and emotional brain and um, we've gone into the uh, power of your emotional brain and how that drives impulses in us we've spoken in detail about sexual health and sexual assault and how that's tied in and then we've also got into ways to overcome that emotional hijacking with pausing thinking about how you're feeling, thinking about the emotion you have and then acting appropriately depending on the situation. So there's some key tips and tricks. Um, next week we will have um, Declan Page um, in speaking with us who will be going into more detail about the science um, behind and involved in the brain as he is a neurobiologist. And then thankfully in two weeks' time, uh, myself and Christy will be back to talk um, in further and go into more detail about the science behind your emotions and your brain. We look forward to having you back again next week. And as always, mind yourselves.